Hello, hello, welcome back. It's Leading Women in Tech Time. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and we are talking assertiveness today. Oh, one of those topics where us women have a knife edge to navigate. Today, I'm joined by Courtney Johnston, who is amazing at navigating that assertiveness knife edge so that we can come out looking great rather than falling into the whole gender stereotype issue. But before we get her on the show, let me tell you a little bit about Coach Academy. So I mentioned this very briefly, accidentally in last week's episode, kind of didn't mean to, but let me tell you about this program. I have for the last six months been training coaches. This is something that I never really expected to do, but over the years I've had many people come and want to work with me and either I was fully booked or I was too expensive, who said to me, do you train other coaches? Your way of coaching is unique, Tony. Do you train other coaches? Alongside that, I have seen the impact my coaching has. And I say this from a very humble place. I do know I do something a little bit different from the majority of coaches out there. I'm sure there are other coaches out there like me, but I do something a little bit different. I also realize that one of the things I do with my executive clients is I help them coach. That is a core leadership attribute after all. And I was kind of doing this alongside their coaching. I'm coaching them how to coach. I was like, there's got to be a more efficient way to do this. So middle of last year, I launched Coach Academy. This is my new program to train coaches. And this can apply whether or not you want to bring coaching into your leadership work. Uh, Many executives are qualified coaches for good reason. It makes you an extraordinary leader. But also if you want to maybe make a little bit of money on the side or become a full-time coach, this can be a great plan for you. And I am training people to be leadership and executive coaches for women in tech as women in tech. So whether or not you're a woman in tech who is coaching, and that may include men, or you want to become a specialist coach for people in tech with a lens on the women in tech problem and why that's a unique challenge that we have, this program might just be for you. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to learn about coaching that apply more broadly. And I do, I've trained, at this point, I've trained several women who are actually going off and coaching men as well. But they wanted to have that women in tech coaching lens because it's helping them when they are coaching women to support them in a new way. I have not seen training like this out there. It's one of the things I was passionate about doing this is I don't see anybody else training people to understand the unique challenges of women in tech. And I think that's necessary. Whoever you coach, actually, if you're coaching men, they need to be aware of it too. Because if they're in tech or any male-dominated industry, then women are experiencing these challenges and they're likely to be managing these women or interacting with them. And we need to be aware of that so that we can then coach in the workplace better. All that said and done, I'm very passionate about this program, as you can probably tell. And this is the first time I'm opening doors publicly. I've done two rounds where I've just invited people to join, been incredibly successful. And now it's time to allow other people to join. It is a very small program. I'm only going to be taking six people and we already have four people signed up. So there's only two spots available. But if you are interested, feel free to just reach out and ask me questions. You can email me support at tonycollis.com or you can go check out the webpage tonycollis.com forward slash coach academy. It is a three month program with training every week and bi-weekly mentoring sessions with me where you get mentored through coaching and you're going to get lots of coaching practice. You then get between six and 12 months to fulfill all the requirements for certification. And at the end of it, you can then get your certified associate coach status. And you'll be able to say that you're a qualified 
Women in Tech Leadership Coach. If that is of interest to you, reach out, have a look at the website. Let me know if you're interested. As I said, spots are incredibly limited. So do let me know if you're interested so we can make sure we keep that open for you. We will be closing doors in very soon. We're going to kick off on the 29th of January. So if you haven't signed up by then, even if we have spots, then the place will not be available. So if you're interested, reach out. We're here to answer questions at Team Tony. But let's get back to today's episode. I have the fabulous Courtney Johnston with me here today. Courtney is Senior Vice President and Product Manager at Veratuity. This is a startup working towards safely revolutionizing the payouts industry. Another kind of tech startup that I love. Prior to joining Veratuity, Courtney gained significant experience in both finance and tech, working at companies like Capital One, E-Trade and AOL. She also has an MBA from the University of Virginia, and she is passionate about technology, product management and leadership. And today we're talking about what it means to be assertive as a woman in tech, as well as the highs and lows in her career. So without further ado, let's get Courtney onto the show. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Welcome to the show, Courtney. It's great to have you on Leading Women in Tech. Thanks, Tony. Really glad to be here. I'd love you to start where I basically ask every guest to start. I'd love to hear about your journey, getting to be an SVP of product management at Veratuity. And in particular, I'd like you to touch on the highs and lows along the way, because I think those tell us so much about the reality of all of our career journeys. Yeah. So I started off um, wanting to go into medicine, but really realized as most people do that it's a long journey. Um, ended up in technology really by accident. So um, kind of followed that along very different paths um, from being on the help desk to becoming a project manager for large installations of large computer systems. And really through that journey, really discovered that while I love technology, I also do not like being the person that's on call. And I also really like innovating and creating new things, which really led me into product management and led me to Veratuity. Um, having worked for a lot of large companies, I'm excited to work for a smaller company with a great culture. Can you tell me a little bit about why the small company with a great culture is so important to you? It allows me to be myself, uh, not to censor myself. Um, to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm six feet tall. And when I walk into a, a room, um, I find that I either overwhelm, intimidate, and people really aren't sure how to take me. And then especially being in technology and finance, being either one of the only women in the room or the only woman in the room really creates that, what I can perceive sometimes as being a barrier. And mm. especially in a larger company, when you walk into a larger room, everyone feels like they have to have a say at the table versus a smaller company with our culture. Everyone knows that they have the ability and 
the permission to share and to provide insights or suggestions or even give feedback that something's not going well. I I love the fact that you mentioned here that you're six foot tall, because I think sometimes, especially with the podcast, right, there's no video here. <laughs> we, but even just on Zoom calls, which I spend all day on Zoom, and we don't realize that, you know, five years ago, actually walking into a physical room had quite a big impact. I have um, a client I've been working with for a while now, and I only recently found out she's only five foot tall. And she's an executive like yourself. And She's actually had to change the way she leads now, starting in a new company where these people have never met her in person because she has adapted her leadership as a woman in tech who is very short to be more in the room than she would otherwise be. And then I've met people like you who are the the opposite. They've shrunk themselves and their presentation of who they are to compensate for their physical presence. Do you think that's something that you have personally experienced and would you say it's shifting now that we're more remote? Yes. Um, you know, it, it goes to, I'm not a quiet person. So <laughs> not only am I tall, I'm not quiet. I, I do speak <laughs> my mind, um, which I know can come up as aggressive. So what I find, especially going into the virtual and actually I joined a new team right as COVID was starting that a lot of those barriers went away. Mm. It was just people having conversations versus I felt like gender kind of went away a little bit. A little bit. bit, yeah. Yeah. I felt like, you know, stature. Um, and it's harder to get like somewhat the harder to get the feedback from people, but at the same time, it caused more people to listen more because they wanted to get things done. It, Nobody wants to be on Zoom or in video virtual video conferencing for hours on end. I love the fact that you said that. Um, actually, several things there. You said it was harder to get feedback. And so people had to listen more. I've had so many conversations over the last two years about how hard it is to get that information that you get from just walking around an office. And I keep saying to people, we were lazy back then, actually. The people who have flourished remotely other than it being a you know obviously some of us are more innately programmed to being remote I'm definitely one of them I'm so introverted I hated being in office I really did I like being in an office like one day a month that that suits me fine <laughs> but equally I think the people that flourished irrespective of their desire to be around people it was those who actually understood how to get that feedback explicitly without relying on some sort of osmosis and not actually being able to identify why, when they walked around an office, what was going on that meant they got that information? What was it about the casual conversations that was being transmitted that you're not getting remotely? As you put it, listen harder is actually a, a key part of that. Would you agree? I do. And the other thing, especially for me, is listening harder, but also picking up not so much the cues of the person that I was talking to, but what was happening behind them. Mm. So especially early in the pandemic, when People who had kids had to be, you know, parents, people who yeah. had never really worked around their dogs or their cats or whatever were adjusting to that. But you also got to see just how much people were kind of struggling in their own. So it allowed yeah. me to change my conversation versus passing in the office and knowing that they had two kids because they might have a picture on their desk. I actually mm -hmm. got to meet their kids. Um, That's lovely. I actually would actually watch them eat breakfast together because 
you know, we'd have to have morning meetings or something that just didn't work well in the schedule or daycare ended up closing. So I felt like I got to know my team really well, which has helped me adjust to, I'm actually back in the office now, which has actually helped me adjust being back in the office and getting and trying to get the culture here and the team talking and sharing mm-hmm. like what they're doing. So a couple of weeks ago, this is from my old, one of my old bosses is we do a Friday standup where you don't talk about work, talk about what you're going to do over the weekend. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I mean, so I was going to ask you, do you think you're a better leader now because of COVID, even though you're back in the office? I think so. I think some of the tips and tricks of going from virtual and, and learning how to work with virtual teams has made me a better leader. And also just for myself, I knew I needed to take care of myself and giving what I have really found is giving permission to people to take care of themselves first makes Mm -hmm. them more productive and better in the office. Now, while I can't see what everybody's now doing at home, especially in the office, or um, you see it still with people who are virtual, but it, it doesn't mean there's not other stuff going on in people's lives. So, mm. you know, take care of yourself first. Just like going on an airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first. Yeah, 100%. I say that one a lot. We, we have to do that more. You talk so passionately about culture. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the culture at Veraturity and some examples of why that works so well and what attracts you to it? So, you know, talking about culture at Veritudi, one of the great things is we have a lot of female interns. We also have a lot of female employees. Um, I think we're getting close to 50-50, which is great. And one of the things that our leadership did was we just had an all-hands meeting across our company where everyone came in, and we did a women's breakfast. And at that, we had an executive recruiter come in and talk to everybody about finding their job, negotiating salary. And it was really great. And one of the things that she pointed out is that while most of our leadership team is male, they all have daughters and all want to see their daughters successful. And so it was really great to see how she was able to tie that in, but also talking about salary negotiation. You know, those are all those things that we talk about, like, you know, don't share your salary, you know, ask for more than your worth, ask for range, you know, don't forget that, you know, whoever's negotiating or whoever would get the job if they're male, they're going to be doing all those things. So don't sell yourself short. And that breakfast was really great. I think it it taught our interns and our younger employees a lot about coming into the workforce. Well, tell me a little bit about your role at Veraturity. Like, what is it that Veraturity does? What's your, what's involved in your role as an SVP of product management? Sure. So Veritudi is focused on revolutionizing payouts. And what we're really looking for is to create an environment where we are able to verify everything. We're able to pay by anything and really just handle anything and connect by anything. So what that really means to me is coming from a bank and just personally is, I mean, Think about those little rebates or refunds, you know, sometimes from medicine or some other things, and they will send you either a check that's for some small amount, Mm. or they send you a prepaid gift card. I can tell you I have a prepaid gift card that's probably $5 sitting on my counter. One, I'm too lazy to... (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm too lazy to 
activate it. And the other thing is like, I could have, I really would have preferred that in another way. So what Veritivity mm. does is we take that experience and now give the payee, um, so the person who's receiving the funds, their choice of how they want to get paid. So maybe it'd be better in my PayPal account. Maybe it'd be better just directly into my bank account. Mm. And so what we do is we allow that experience to happen, which I'm just passionate about payouts and payments. I never really thought I would say that, um, but it's a really interesting um, company, a really interesting dynamic and new way of what we're doing. Um, no one really has approached the market this way. I love that you say, you know, I'm really passionate about this. I never thought I'd say that. I feel like so many of the people I meet, and I'm like this too, like I can get excited about anything, it turns out. <laughs> I think uh, there's a certain breed, and I, I do see this amongst the leaders in us that really thrive where if we get into something we can get excited about it because we're solving problems right we're solving exciting and interesting problems and actually I want to ask you a question about that in just a second but I do want to just drop in there a comment um you're talking about the frustration of getting those small rebates I remember years ago now getting a check from the government for one pence one penny which you know I'm in the UK so one penny is like it's about two cents and I was just like, because it was a tax refund or something. To this day, I'm like, that cost the government more money by several orders of magnitude. Like, what? <laughs> what is going on there? I do not understand that at all. It's kind of crazy. So yes, just wanted to share that one with you. Yeah, I want to talk about problem solving. I know when we spoke before, before this same record, you are a passionate problem solver. That's one of the reasons you do what you do. And you like the idea of using startups as a route to delivering outcomes where you're solving problems. And I know from my experience as a coach and also my experience as an executive in tech myself, that one of the things for many of us as women is we see all of these problems around us all the time. We're passionate about solving the problems, but we don't know how to get started. What would be your advice for somebody in that situation, maybe a bit earlier in their career, how do they get started solving problems when other people aren't seeing them? That's actually a tricky one, um, especially when you see a problem that nobody else sees and trying to sell them that there actually is a problem. It actually has been a really big problem in my career because I, can, I have this ability to say, okay, if we don't take this action today, it's really going to cost us a lot of money down the road. Mm -hmm. um, and then how do you convince somebody that they don't care? I mean, in corporation and, and corporate world, um, everyone's in it for the immediate because they don't know what's going to happen mm. tomorrow. So well, should be focused on the longer term. It's really about the here and now or maybe the next quarter. So mm. my advice is for somebody who sees that or sees the problem is don't bite off the problem for the longer term. Come up with a plan of what you can tackle today that will make a difference today that will start leading down the path of how to fix the future. Small actions create big, big waves, which create better solutions in the future. So my advice is take a moment, sit down, think about the problem you wanna solve, but what is the problem that is today that's going to cause that bigger problem that you see? Um, mm. bite size is really important. And the other thing is influence. So finding other people who see that, to see that similar issue or that problem, how can you come together and have synergy in order to fix the problem as well? Because one voice doesn't always get it done. It takes multiple people 
And so that starts giving you the skills of influence, networking, and those important things that we tend to cut short, I think, in our mm. everyday lives and our careers. Yeah, absolutely. I think also they're just highlighting, you know, the, the methodology here of work on something for right now that you know is going to have a positive impact on that thing that you're seeing and nobody else is, is really key because it actually also develops a skill, which suddenly I struggled to develop. I was like, I can see this train crash approaching. Holy heck, people. Does nobody else see that? But I hadn't at that point developed the skill of what we now know we need to do because, you know, you and I are both executives um, of reverse engineering. Like, how do I solve this problem? Our bosses need to know that we can solve the problem. They don't They don't actually want to hear about the problem because that's not what we paid for. We're here to solve their problems. Early in our careers, a lot of us, myself included, were just the problem person. I talk about this a lot. I was a problem person. I was like, hello, <laughs> red flags everywhere, right? And I think by approaching it the way you're saying, which is start with something right here, we're forcing ourselves to become the solutions person that our boss needs us to be. We're saying that problem's there. What can I do right now to start mitigating, which is going to make us start bringing that solutioning into our lives. Would you agree that that's part of what we're trying to achieve here? Yes, I think it's really important. And like, as I said, working for larger companies, I was never going to get rewarded for dealing with something that was in the future. Yeah. Performance cycles, review cycles, whatever. Nobody, it wasn't a here and now. It wasn't tangible. Mm. So making sure it's tangible will help, helps create the the runway and not only the, the longer runway, but like the short wins that actually get you moving in your career. Mm. And I definitely missed out on those things um, as I went through my career. I mean, I felt like I was so focused on like fixing that big problem that I never really went after the short wins, mm. which like, I think it held me back a lot earlier in my career um, because I, while I knew that I could deliver stuff, my management knew I could deliver deliver stuff and solve problems, it, it wasn't the problem that they were trying to fix right there and then. Yeah. And so, yes, I think it's really important for, for ourselves is to have those quick wins um, and in, in being a solution in order to start fi- figuring out our path to move ahead and whatever that means for anybody. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room here, which is to do everything we've talked about requires <laughs> this dreaded word, assertiveness. And I know that you and I are both quite passionate about this topic. Um, listeners might like to know we can have a bit of a bonding moment about this on this topic prior to recording. I would like to talk about assertiveness, how it ties in with everything we've been talking about. You know, you and I talked previously about how as women – we're on this journey in our lives where as teenagers, we may have confidence and assertiveness. I certainly did. But then it gets drilled out of us. We're shut down at some point. Sometimes we're told horrific things, actually. It's not even like you're aggressive. It can be worse, far worse. I don't want to talk about that necessarily on the podcast, although there is swearing on this podcast all the time. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> What do you think we can be doing differently to maintain that confidence, bring assertiveness into our lives, hold our own? alongside this very important skill of developing executive presence because a lot of the time I think the as the assertiveness is pushed down and out of us some of our natural executive presence is also just pushed away 
What can we do about that? You know, I have a kind of a real life living experience living in my house, um, my <laughs> daughter. You know, I look at her when she was younger, she was fearless. Um, she'd no. be the kid who'd fall off, you know, fall off a swing, you know, and get a bruise and, and she would kiss it herself and be like, okay, I'm fine. I'm going, um, oh, I'm going back. Love it. Now, as you know, she's gotten into late teenage years, she's starting to lose that. Um, she's still pretty aggressive. Um, and sometimes I think that she is a bitch because she really um, is assertive. So watching that and watching her be a lot like me, um, as I was a teenager, I mean, I really didn't take anything from anyone. Mm. What I really have learned as an adult is knowing myself, like knowing like what the strengths of my personality are, what the weaknesses of my personality are, um, learning the skill, the soft skills of listening, thinking before I talk allows me to be assertive without being aggressive because I now I feel like I now know how to listen and pick up the subtle cues in the room that would make me more effective. And those are just such little things that make mm. the difference between assertive and aggressive. There was a cartoon that I saw or somebody sent me was, you know, what's the difference between assertive and aggressive? Gender. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is so yeah. true. It is. Yeah. But that's also where I think, um, I learned how to be myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's being authentic has really helped me as well. So what is my authentic self? And I've kind of gotten to the place where if people don't want me to be my authentic self, then not that I don't give them the time. I'm, I'm nice and cordial, but at the same time, I'm not going to seek them out unless I need to really have them on my team to really create the atmosphere I want, mm -hmm. or I'm going to try to influence them to change and be more accommodating as well. Yeah. I think something really important to call out here is, you know, something I see all this time, all the time is the fact that one of the key differences between assertive and aggressive is gender. And I hate that. But at the same time, I'm very much an optimist, <laughs> trying to be anyway. <laughs> and I do actually see a silver lining and I'm seeing this play out almost on a daily basis with the work I'm doing with amazing women in tech, which is that when we learn to tread this very unfair uh, line as women in tech on what it means to be assertive for us, whereas the behavior that men get away with is called assertive, but we can't, we are doing a better job. We have, I, I talk a lot about how we have a knife edge to navigate where men have this huge football pitch to navigate they can you know dick around all over the football i've got to find a better phrase and dick around <laughs> whereas as a woman in tech podcast i've got to find a better phrase uh, listeners if you have an idea i want to hear it but you know they get to play around on this football pitch we have a knife edge to follow but the beautiful thing is that when we figure out how to navigate that knife edge because we're forced to we are extraordinary compared with the men in the room who haven't had that unfair requirement put on them and I see time and time again, this being one of the many reasons why I think women are thriving once they figure it out. I just wish we didn't have to work so hard to figure it out because I, it is unfair. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you think that's one of the benefits? The silver linings is not necessarily a benefit per se. I do. And 
you know, my interview process at Veritudi, so I was not looking for a new position and I was hesitant to come to a startup. Um, parents were entrepreneurs. I had already been to a failed startup, a lot of comfort in a larger company. But I also decided that when I was interviewing here, particularly that I felt like for the first time I had nothing to lose by showing up and being myself. And my interview here with the with the team here was a matter of them throwing out ideas and my being like, you really want to do that? I'm not sure that's such a great idea. And then mm. we would play with it. And so it was really great to be able to express my ideas and have people come back and be like, well, what if we change this or my ability to challenge them respectfully. And that's really why, like, I really love the culture of Eratuity for me is because I can walk into the CEO and, and you know, tell him that I'm not sure that's such a great idea. And he listens and we'll, we can brainstorm and go back and forth or pull more of the team in to see how do we solve this. And that's really an important part of me. I wouldn't have come to this position and really taken on this role if I wasn't going to have a voice. I'm tired of, mm. I was really tired of not having a voice at the table, being able to say, hey, you know, this is really important to not only us, but to a company. And I had that conversation before I was leaving my last position with my leadership. And they're like, yeah, but you're never going to get that full voice. And that's hard. Um, I don't care. I, I feel like at a larger company, no matter what level you're at, it creates a hard time creating, having that full voice. Um, Versus now, I mean, I have a seat at the table. I don't necessarily always agree with everybody. Not everyone always agrees with me, but we come to a solution. And I think it makes us better as a leadership team. I, I love that you shared that because I one of the things I want everybody listening to this episode to hear is you have permission to walk away if you're being told that you're not going to get what you want. And I would argue that all of us deserve to be heard and have a voice. I get that in a large company that's harder, but I work with women in huge companies where they do have a voice, even though they are fairly low down the chain. It is doable. And I do think all of us need to be heard. So if you're listening to this, there's an amazing woman right here who has shown you the way you have permission to walk. <laughs> if you're not getting what you need, you have permission. Um, I do want to, there's so much I want to dive into here, but I want to talk um, about building teams that respect us, uh, that respect each other, how that ties into our, our own confidence, our presence, the gender stereotypes, and also actually bringing in as well that authenticity you talked about, because I think that's really, really key. What do you think it takes to build such a team that really thrives at the same time as respecting you? So... You know, so much of this, I feel, so much of what I feel is important, I feel like sometimes it's cliche and we talk about it, but we don't actually follow through on it. Yeah. And that is, I want people who compliment and are willing to come to the table as well and bring their thoughts and feelings. Um, I want to empower my team. And so I'm not a micromanager. I, you know, I'm like, you know, here's a direction. I'm here if you need me. I'm will support you. I will coach you through it. Um, you know, if you need me to demonstrate, happy to demonstrate, but this is, you own this. I can't be everywhere. I can't do everything. And so leadership 
for me is really about coaching. Um, and it's something that I really am still working on is asking questions um, versus giving the answer, um, which is a real difference between mentoring and coaching in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. I can tell you my life experience. I can tell you a lot. But when you're doing a job for, for me, it you know, I'm asking, like, how do you want to approach it? What mm -hmm. do you think is the most important thing? How are you going to evaluate that? Um, especially in product in, in a smaller company. We have limited, not that any company I've ever been to has not had limited <laughs> resources. Um, but you have to be smarter mm -hmm. about the about how you're using things and prioritization and going after the thing mm -hmm. is really important because you can't do everything. So what gets left behind and being comfortable with what you don't do as well. So mm -hmm. there's what you do and there's what you don't do. And that's a lot of my leadership style as well as trying to get my team to talk not only about work, but also with what they're willing to share about themselves yeah. and leading by example. Oh, some great tips there. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think there's so much that we need to actually do. As you say, some of these are cliche, but we aren't actually walking the walk, right? We, we're we talking and that's as far as it goes. So I love that you're, you know, embracing what you believe in. And also I just love meeting women who like me have realized that great leadership is built on coaching. That's how I ended up being a full-time coach <laughs> because I was coaching and realized actually this is my, this is my jam. And so plus I get to change the world while I do it. So it's great. Um, let's move on to the quick fire round. We've got some cool questions. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, shut up and go sit down. As I said, not my style, not my way, but it went against everything that it really was bad advice. Um, just put your head down, work hard, and you will be rewarded for working hard. Mm. That's not the case at all. So the worst piece of advice really was shut up and sit down. Listeners, never shut up, never sit down. <laughs> All <laughs> exactly. right, let's on its head. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever be been given is be yourself. Um, know yourself, be yourself. So if you are an introvert, use that to your advantage. If you're an extrovert, use that to your advantage, but also know the downsides of those. Yeah. So if you're an extrovert, know that you have to listen and you can't talk. If you're an introvert, you're going to listen, but also speak up. You know, you might find that time that's the right time. It may not be taking all the airspace, mm -hmm. but that pause and that being understanding is, I think is really important. The other thing is Go to an environment that you thrive in. Don't just settle. Like if you're not happy, either change your environment, change your job, change your role. Look for other people to mentor you through that. So by knowing yourself, being yourself, it actually really helps you mm. then move on. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. What top networking tips do you have? Because we've got many people listening to this who are looking for new opportunities and networking is always one of those ones that everybody ooh, hates. Top networking tips, because you must have them at, your, at this point in your career to be headhunted. We know you've got them. <laughs> Build your brand. Um, and what I mean by that is I think too many times, especially as women in tech, we're afraid of selling ourselves. So 
we all have brands. We all have ways we want to be looked at. Think of yourself as a package. Um, what do you can bring to the table? And it's not always the exact truth. It can be a little bit of an exaggeration. Empower yourself to be that brand. If you look at you know, toothpaste, it's going to promise you that you're going to have whiter teeth. You have to use it a lot to have whiter teeth. <laughs> so it is an end and it is something you can do. But that's you, is your, is, I think, really importantly, is your brand. And the other thing with networking is always have an ask. So when you're reaching out to people, mm-hmm. have an ask. So that could be, can you connect me to somebody that they know? Or can we meet for coffee to talk about your career or a problem you've solved? Don't just go to somebody and just be like, you know, tell me everything. Have a question there. Have something that they can actually deliver to you Mm. that adds value to you. Fabulous. Okay. What is your favorite mindset tip to help other leaders, particularly other women leaders? Take time for yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, My biggest thing in terms of mindset is when I'm frustrated or even just at the end of the day or even in the morning, depending upon when I have time, one, I have to block out the time, but two, I go and take walks. Mm. Um, Being outside or even just walking around the floor of the office allows me to kind of get anything that I'm feeling processed. For me, that is my way. So it's taking time for yourself. And for me, that is, it is walking, walking a lot. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. I'm like, I'm like giving a round of applause here virtually. Um, actually, just even today, my coach, because I have my own coach, you can't coach yourself. Um, my coach was just reminding me to take time for me, right? I tell people all day, every day, take time for yourself, look after yourself, put you first. And even I needed that reminder today. So it's nice to hear that from different avenues. Thank you. How can people connect with you and find out more about what you do, what Veritirity does? I'd love to find out more. Sure. So find out about Veritudy. Um, you can go to veritudy.com. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. The other thing for me is you can also find me on LinkedIn as well under the Veritudy page or um, my direct is Court J. Um, and also feel free to email me at Courtney.Johnston at veritudy.com. Love to connect, love to network and find out more about what people are doing. Fabulous. Thank you. And I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. So thank you for sharing them. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom to wrap up with today? Be yourself um, and find a place that you thrive. That is a beautiful way to, I think, summarize almost like what we're trying to achieve here on this podcast. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful interview. I have really enjoyed it as always. It's gone longer than I longer than I intended. I hope listeners have listened all the way to the end. Um, remember, listeners, until next time, stay in your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.